Hey, this is Kat Kahn from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Tanya Rice from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are grateful you've joined us. And we cannot wait to share with you the musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learn, laugh, and enjoy. And we hope you will share with us any of your comments or questions. Without further ado, this is Two Pittas on a Pod. Hey, Kat. Hey, Tanya. How are you? I'm doing great. That's good. So I haven't asked you about the weather in Minnesota in like many episodes. (laughs) (laughs) So what's going on up there? (laughs) Uh, The weather is cold, no snow, but uh, we're managing, decorated for Christmas. You did? Yeah. Well, you got to send me pictures. I know. I shall. I think it's also funny that this episode is going to air sometime in January of 2022 and we're still talking about Christmas but that's okay Uh, yeah well that's okay yeah so what are we talking about today first I want you to tell me about your trip to New York and then I have to tell you about my trip to Florida oh okay well you know I love New York I am the cliche and I haven't been there since uh, before COVID. So since the November before COVID, so I guess 2019. And I was a little leery. I didn't know how it was going to be in New York going back. And it was a little different. People were, the streets were nowhere near as crowded. So I kind of felt like I had a lot of the city to myself, my own little personal playground, which I liked. And every time we went into restaurants, we had to show our vaccination card. It it was not a big deal. And everyone was so gracious and kind. As soon as we showed our vaccination card, masks came off and everyone was dancing and singing around the restaurants. <laughs> so it was great. We had some great, great food. We went down to Little Island, which is um, a man-made island. I don't know if you saw the pictures of that, but it's it's a really neat place. They have all these different concrete steak cones. It's kind of like an ice cream cone that are built up out of the water. And they've created this beautiful, lovely little park with all, all kinds of elevations. It's really pretty. So we checked that out and we just had a really good time. It was nice to see Edward's family after not seeing them uh, for several years. So I bet. Yeah. So how was Florida and the wedding? Florida was great, apart from the travel trouble Mm -hmm. that we had. Getting to see Jennifer again was lovely, and Mm -hmm. being able to stand up in her wedding was lovely. Everything about it was lovely. I do have to share the one bit that morning before the wedding, we were... Jen and her mom and I were getting our hair and makeup done and we were talking and I was like, so are you going to cry today? And she's like, no, I don't think so. She Mm -hmm. doesn't even get the first sentence out of her vows and she is a puddle, which then of course, if she's going to cry, I'm going to cry. And she looks at me and she's like, we're not supposed to cry. get back to your vows. Yeah. I mean, no, we're not supposed to cry, but get back to your vows. <laughs> it was very cute. And I was like, oh my gosh, we totally lost it. So now, and you've known her since grade school. Yeah. So wow, 30, that's really 38 cool. years. It was, um, it was lovely. Wow. Very, yeah. very cool. We both had lovely trips. It sounds like we did. It was nice to go. And, you know, we went mostly because Edward's mom didn't feel like she could fly to New York by herself. So we drove over to South Carolina and then uh, picked her up and then flew from Savannah to LaGuardia. And it was very nice. It was, we were very lucky because we, when we got there, there was not much 
there was, it was not crowded at all. And then when we left, we were like one of the only people leaving on a Saturday because flying, the people fly on Sunday. So it was kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully traveling is kind of back on. Yeah. You know, there's always that iffy stuff up there, but I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm tired <laughs> of sitting back here. Yeah. It's, um, it's a trick. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. What are we talking about today? We're talking about the bandas. Ooh. Yeah. Bandas are internal locks that we have in our body. We can use them to direct the energy where we, where we want it to go. Hmm. So yeah, the bandas, I like your description of using it to transfer energy, uh, right? So the bandas, the Sanskrit uh, word banda in English means to lock or to bind, right? Mm -hmm. And when a person's like, well, what do you mean we have locks in the body? Like, well, what does that even mean? In sort of basic medical analogy, we're talking like quite literally about we'll say sphincters Mm -hmm. or diaphragms because for our purpose we are also including the diaphragm it and if we think about it in the sense of what are we locking or what are we binding we're quite literally locking or binding either the entrance to systems the exits to systems or the divider between systems. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean, right? In theory, medically speaking, we're using those bandhas to try and keep regions of the body safe and or protected. Right. And so in yoga or in energy medicine, we use these separations to help shift focus, to move energy And or to concentrate healing. I think the the banda that most people probably are familiar familiar with when they come to yoga is the first banda. But you know what? I jumped in before you finished saying that, so let's just delete that part. Let's just delete. No, it's totally fine. I think you're probably right. It's the one that most people talk about the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because they haven't learned or you know are still in you know, we'll say intermediate practice of the other bandhas. Mm-hmm. I feel like it is an important bandha, but it is not the most important bandha. So I think it's important for us to discuss all of the bandhas. So exactly. let's segue in. What are the bandhas? Mm-hmm. Are you asking me? Sure. <laughs> I mean, if you want, if you want, I can just keep talking, but I'm trying right. to split it up so we can both talk a little. Uh, well, we have the Mula Banda and the... Uddiyana Banda and the Jalandhara Banda. So those are the, th- I mean, there are other Bandhas, but those are the three we primarily use in class. And using them in class helps us to support that movement in and between the poses. And a lot of times I, I believe they make the poses more powerful. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think part of that description then is, is let's like go into what are they? So the mm-hmm. first one you brought up is Mula Banda. Mm-hmm. And Mula Banda is quite literally located at the anal sphincter or the mm-hmm. perineum, the pelvic mm-hmm. floor, right? So this is all about stability in the hips. This is all about strength and grounding Mm -hmm. like this is like what you're talking about is this is for in postures power stability strength Mm -hmm. right this is what we grow our roots out of right right yeah the easiest way 
whenever I've tried to teach this in class, it, it seems to go over people's heads a lot. And I know you've probably used the same analogy, uh, but for most people, I think it's easy to engage the Mulabanda by, it's just like a Kegel, on, a Kegel exercise on steroids, but it's, if you picture in your mind, um, your stream of urine coming down and then cutting off that stream real tight, hard, and then gently pulling up, that engages the Mulabanda. And uh, I love it when I explain it that way in class, because you can tell, I mean, you can't tell when someone's doing Mulabanda, but it's so funny because you can see that aha look on their face when they do it. And they're like, oh. <gasps> <laughs> yeah. And and I do think it's important that you suggest, you know, like you'll be in class and if if you use the term kegel then you may have gender differentiation where you have, mm -hmm. you know, maybe men in the room who are like I can't do that. Well, mm -hmm. absolutely you can because the muscles of the pelvic floor are actually identical between male and female. The only difference is the location of the hole for which mm -hmm. that urine departs the bladder. Mm -hmm. Other than that, the pelvic floor is actually the same. You know, I don't think I ever really thought about it. So the anatomy yeah. book that I use in my teacher training has a really lovely picture of the pelvic mm -hmm. floor on both. And it it is very much, you can see all the same muscles in all mm -hmm. the same directions. They're all labeled the same, is the same. It is not gender specific. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So it is really cool. So I do think that, you know, as you're talking about the stability and postures, it really is that mula banda that's going to help you and ground you it's the when you think about stirum sukum the mula banda is the stirum mm -hmm. it's the steadiness mm -hmm. it's the solid foundation of the posture so if we move on to the second one the second one is the udiana banda located in your belly in your gut at your sacral chakra legitimately right between yeah. two and three yeah. Yeah, the, it's like they say two fingers below the belly button right mm -hmm. is where you want to focus on drawing in mm -hmm. and when you do that you notice that sometimes you do it and automatically the pelvic floor lifts up a little bit as well mm -hmm. it's it's actually very hard to isolate udiana bondo without also engaging a bit of the pelvic floor and that's because of the movement of the diaphragm that goes with it mm -hmm. literally the diaphragm diaphragm your breathing diaphragm mm -hmm. and i think that while we talk about the mula bonda being the strength and the stability when we are standing in a posture when we add an udiana bonda this allows for really strong centering mm -hmm. it's engaging the cords bringing everything to the middle of your body mm -hmm. vertically horizontally you know mm -hmm. with a lot more force than the mula bonda yeah it's your a, core mm -hmm. has the mm -hmm. strength to be much more powerful well and this can also allow you to invert more easily if you're using the Udiana Banda and even to float in, if you're jumping in and out of forward folds or any kind of uh, poses like that, using that Udiana Banda gives it so much more power and it makes it more, it makes it easier yeah. to do. 
Yeah. So where Mulabanda is the stirum, the stability, Udiyanabanda is the tapas. That's the fire, the work, the that's the strength and the core of the pose. That's the mm-hmm. center. Like that's the blue at the base of the flame, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The tapas, the effort. I was reading an article in Body Green and I... Uh, thought this was kind of interesting way of thinking about it because the abdominal wall is pressing the organs and the tissues of the abdominal cavity backwards. The Uddiyana Bandha creates a soft massage for the deep internal muscles of the low back. And in a more day-to-day sense, the Uddiyana Bandha is the ultimate remedy for abdominal and stomach ailments, everything from constipation and indigestion, and which that means I need to do it like daily. And <laughs> it stimulates the digestion juices and it increases metabolism so anyone that's worried about a slow metabolism get you some udiana banda going on <laughs> get, you, get you some just get, get you, you some, some. <laughs> <laughs> well so then as we move up the bandas the third of the bandas is jalandara banda mm-hmm. which is located at the throat or mm-hmm. the throat lock what we actually associate to the vocal cords the muscles around the thyroid and maybe you could probably include the epiglottis in that space is Mm -hmm. that that deep constriction at the throat which can alter your voice it clearly affects your breathing in terms of Mm -hmm. allowing air in and out but from a physical standpoint Jalandhara Banda is what draws focus to the focal point, the third eye, and is now, if you think Mula Banda as Stiram, Udiyana Banda as Tapas, the effort, then Jalandhara Banda is what brings us to Sukham or finding the positivity, the joy, the peacefulness within the posture, mm-hmm. is that it brings us into the headspace. Right. And it's the only double chin you really want to have. <laughs> it's a powerful double chin. <laughs> it's a super powerful one. Right. Yeah. So if we also think about it from the standpoint of pranayama as opposed to mm-hmm. simply thinking it thinking of it from the asana standpoint is that when we apply mula bandha and we breathe in, we're constricting mula bandha so that we don't allow the air to escape. We apply Udiyana Banda so that we can contain the prana and we can direct it in the body. And then we use Jalandhara Banda at the throat so that we can block the entrance and control how much air is going in or out or retained or paused or held or whatever it is. The relationship with pranayama normally performed in combination with specific breathing practices and it's very rarely done on its own and it's very very powerful it compresses the sinuses uh, on the main arteries of the neck and in doing so it helps to regulate the circulatory and the respiratory systems I love the fact, because I'm hypothyroid, that the pressure on the throat helps to balance your thyroid and your metabolism. And if no one's looking at you, you can use it as an instant, like a mental relaxation, as well as relief for stress and anger. Yeah, because this definitely brings you into the headspace and it brings you into that place of ease and comfort and, you know, self-focus or for that matter, just really kind of coming into a premeditative space. Mm -hmm. 
So then in addition to the three bandhas on their own separately, mm-hmm. we need to give um, some commentary to Maha Banda, which mm-hmm. is the culmination of all mm-hmm. three bandhas. Yeah, the big kahuna. The big master banda. <laughs> and, and Maha literally means master bind or master hold. And, you know, we use Maha Banda for the purpose of learning mastery in our poses, learning mastery in our pranayama, learning mastery in our meditation. But also it brings us to a place of once we feel we're in that space of mastery, then we can also have complete surrender because now we've given over to all of the work and the effort and now we can release to a place of complete surrender. In closing up about the bandhas, if you don't use them regularly in your yoga practice and even in life, start trying to use them and, you know, lock up the body parts and see if you notice a difference in your yoga practice. Notice a difference in not only the physical part of your practice, but the spiritual part of your practice as well by, by using the bandhas. And- right. By really drawing focus to where you're sending your energy and your Mm -hmm. body, like that you're not just taking breath in and letting it flit away, but Mm -hmm. instead taking breath in and really concentrating like, no, I want this breath to go here, here or here. Exactly. And controlling that energy because, you know, it's powerful, powerful. Yeah. Use it. Yeah. Use it for your good, for your own healing. Mm-hmm. You know what? When we first started doing this podcast, we said, you know what? Every month we're going to do a book review. And this is our second one. This is our second <laughs> one. And we have done 52 plus podcasts. But it's <sighs> only because we clearly had other things. And it's not that we didn't do book reports because we suggested lots oh. of books along yeah. the way. I think we suggested books in almost every episode. Yeah. And so now here we're going to give specifics. The book is called The Heart of Yoga by Deskachar. And the book is one of my favorites. It is one of the first books that I was introduced to when I was introduced to yoga. It was part of my teacher training Mm -hmm. back when I took my 200 hour a gajillion years ago. And I have made it part of my 200 hour teaching to my students now because I have such a high regard and respect for this book. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great book. It is a great book. And I look at mine. Mine's actually packed in my bag to go to 200-hour teacher training tonight. But Mm -hmm. when I look at that book, it is so used, like so used. It's tabbed. It's highlighted. It's starred. There's writing in the margins. And I do love that about this book is it gives you large margins. Like I Mm -hmm. think Descartes just knew that you were going to need to write some (laughs) shit down or something. But um. I just love the fact that this book is like so heavy in history and philosophy, which, you know, that's what I gravitate to. Mm-hmm. It's got a, a large amount of Sanskrit intelligence. It goes through the eight limbs of yoga, like in depth and like what would be the most important pieces. Like if if you think about in the yoga world, which we know there's thousands of books now right when you think about okay hey if i were to choose a book that'd be the book i would send people to right because it does just give you this really overall encompassing education of the eight limbs and the important pieces that go within it right but also on the flip 
the way it is written is so not scary because the way he associates it to relevant things that we think of, Mm -hmm. his descriptions are so, you know, personal, like they make sense. You're like, oh, yeah, like I totally understand that. Mm -hmm. But then there's just this really cool part with every chapter. There's Q&A at the end, which is actually conversations and direct quotes of like the people who put this book together for Descachar, but these like direct conversations where they asked him, you know, in clearly not in English, but mm-hmm. how they asked the question and then what his answer was and how you just feel like it's like this conversation of you have you get to have this conversation with Descartes with him. himself yeah. yeah yeah and then the pictures and the things that all align with it it's so it's so personal like you can't you can't help but feel like mm-hmm. this is you getting to have a conversation with mm-hmm. a with a very intelligent yogi and I put in here I like I put the term like he's like a sage and it's Mm -hmm. like I get the chance to sit at his feet and just listen to his stories like Mm -hmm. that's how I feel about the book that's how Mm -hmm. I feel about the language he uses and all of the descriptors Mm -hmm. well and he makes it so user-friendly also so uh, you know you've got you've had got tons of sacred text you've got tons of books in general that are pretty in-depth that are pretty this is a pretty easy read yeah and that's just the whole of it is is that it is accessible to anyone and that's why Mm -hmm. i say that if if you had to go on an island and you were only allowed to bring one yoga book that'd be the book well maybe it'd be the sutras but you know what i'm Mm -hmm. saying like that book in general gives you such an all around picture of what yoga is from the beginning to the end with asana pranayama with you know teaching a class with doing yoga personally like you know and i i I quote that book all of the time I think about mm-hmm. like he's got the one part in the book and this is just off the top of my head where he talks about the, you know the ability to move into a pose but then using the same intelligence to move out of a pose because in direct quotes it says it's not enough to be able to climb the tree if you don't know how to get back down out of the tree. Mm-hmm. And like, wow. right, like, mm-hmm. I didn't say it probably the exact way it's in the book. But that's like, that sits with me all of the time. And I think about that with everything I do. If mm-hmm. I'm going to run in the house and do four things on my list, how am I going to enter? And how am I going to exit? Right? Like, mm-hmm. if I go in like a wrecking ball, I'm probably coming out like a wrecking ball. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just love that book. I could quote it all day long. <laughs> It's a very good book. And I think it's, it's one that I think most, you know, people that want to learn more about yoga, whether they be teachers or students, it's a nice book to have in your library. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Your turn. (laughs) Well, I'm going to talk about the book, The Language of Yen. And this is written by Gabrielle Harris. And um, she is a New Zealand based yogi. And she became popular just on Facebook on um, a yin. It's called Yin New Zealand. And this, the book is one my sister had told me about and I had, but I hadn't really read it because I have so many books that I still am, you know, working to get through some different ones. But I, I've picked it up and I started looking through it. It has so much stuff in it. It's written more for a teacher 
for a yoga teacher, but a student can read it and get, gain so much knowledge, but it has a lot of cues and things in it that yoga teachers can use. And it challenges you to inspire your people that are in your classes and the people that you associate with day to day. It talks a lot about teaching techniques and getting your students comfortable and connecting with them in the practice. It also goes through a whole lot of themes that you can use in your classes. And this is stuff that for people even with an at-home practice would benefit from. But she goes into great, uh, she goes into a lot of very easy to understand and read details about the eight limbs of yoga, different things about the chakras and yoga traditions, um, Ayurveda. She has, you know, yoga flows for the different doshas. She even touches lightly on yoga nidra, which, you know, that's one of my latest things I'm obsessed about. And her sequences can be adapted really for pretty much any style of yoga. She does talk about um, the methodology of yin as well and basic techniques for teaching a yin class. She even has some um, yoga nidra meditation scripts within the book. She goes into mudras and mantras and pranayama, but um, I love the way that she breaks down the limbs of yoga that makes it very easy to read, very easy to understand for people. And going in through her parts about the chakras, I she puts a yoga flow and a yoga class, and they're all yin, for every chakra with the affirmations that accompany that and questions to ask yourself or your students when you're working through each of the chakras. And it's just kind of neat. She's got beautiful little drawings that are very easy to understand and follow. I have not done her sequences for the doshas, but when I was looking through this book again um, before we started recording, I thought, you know, I'm going to commit to doing a sequence for every one of the doshas during that doshas season, really. And and then lastly, because during yoga, when you're working on yoga nidra, you do talk a lot about the koshas. And she goes into a wonderful description of the koshas in the back of the book with a kosha practice going through all the little petals of the kosha. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty good book. Um, she's got another book out also, but I really do like it. And I tend to use it a lot as a reference book. I think it's really cool. I have put it in my shopping cart like a couple mm -hmm. of times and then I don't know, got distracted and not ordered mm -hmm. it. But I feel like it definitely must be time for me to order it so I can read it for myself. Yeah, because I mean, I know that you reference it a lot. So it tells me that it's very important to you. And you know, you've suggested it that it's important to Lauren. So I feel like I need to read it and see what it's all about. Yep, I think it's a good one. All right. Well, it sounds like it's very comprehensive, and I love that. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of a light touch on everything. Not not a real big in-depth, but I think it gives enough info for people to really get into it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it. And it sounds like what you said, like even though it may be made or geared or directed towards a teacher, that it sounds like it's easy reading for anyone. So mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Perfect. I'm Kat Kahn. And I'm Tanya Rice. And this is Two Pittas on a Pod signing off. Thank you for listening to Two Pittas on a Pod. We're grateful you joined us. Join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis. 
We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast, and we hope you will share your comments or questions. Email us at twopittasonapod at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook and Instagram at twopittasonapod.